You know what I wish he would have done? I wish he would have recruited Donny Osmond as a punter. Come at me with wins! I gotta get that LASIK, bro! We will not have Billy Madison on the show. Why do we continue to put Jason in this? I don't know. I expect BYU winning the national championship in every sport. (laughs) Keep it going! This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Speaking of the Aggies, joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the head coach of Utah State, Craig Smith. We'll hear from him in just a few minutes. Uh, And, Jeremy, I want to address a couple of things with him. One, what's his number one concern defending BYU? Because naturally you think, is it three-point shooting or is it what Josh Lannon just said, and that is controlling Yoli Childs? Yoli Childs is certainly uh, someone to be controlled in this game. Uh, Yoli Childs, you could argue, is the best player in this game. You could argue Sam Merrill. Uh, Namias Keta is a question mark, right, because he's coming back from injury. Missed nine games like Yoli Childs, different reason, injured. Um, and Sam Merrill didn't play Tuesday, uh, perhaps load management. Kawhi Leonard has put that in the basketball vernacular for all of us. But, uh, yeah, the matchup is very intriguing. Some great players in this game. All right, we've got Utah State head coach Craig Smith on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Coach, welcome and happy holidays. Hey, what's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. Happy hey. holidays guys as well. You betcha. Uh, there's probably no way you remember this, but I met you for the first time in person last year uh, in the bowels of Vivint Smart Home Arena, and I was wearing a Roger Federer Nike jacket, and not many people know that, but you pointed at the symbol and you said, nice jacket. So I ultimately respected <laughs> you in that moment because you're a tennis fan, coach. <laughs> hey, man, I love all sports, so uh, you, you love greatness, right? Whether it's um, Roger Federer and tennis or whatever golfer you want to name or um, not that I'm a huge hockey guy, but any kind of any sport where it's a championship or a high limb, you know, a high level of competition, how do you not just get all in? It's so enjoyable to watch and just that spirit and that fight and that vigor and all the emotion that goes with it. It's hard not to pay attention um, to all sports when it comes to that point. Love it. And it's hard not to pay attention to the 10-1 and record that your Utah State Aggies have right now. How would you assess the overall season through 11 games? Well, I mean, to be 10-1 and one is always a, a good thing. Um, you know, we've um, we played pretty well. We've got a lot of different things going on. You know, with, uh, I heard just a little bit of what you had said with Kata missing nine games. And so, obviously, you know, he was an all-league guy last year and the defensive player of the year in the Mountain West Conference. And uh, has a very good chance of being an NBA player. And so when you take him out of the lineup and then you add in the fact of um, not only because he's a very, very good player, but then you add in, you know, we only have five returners. Now those five returners um, really played a lot of minutes and it was a huge part of our production last year. So, But we're trying to get essentially nine new guys kind of in the flux, so to speak. And so – there's always going to be some up and downs and you're negotiating injuries and sickness and so on and so forth, but it is what it is. So to be 10 and one right now, um, we're excited about it and hopefully we can keep pushing forward. BYU without Yoli Childs had to develop Colby Lee. Was this a similar situation without uh, Keta with Justin Bean, who's become the number one uh, total rebounder in the NCAA and number one in double doubles? Well, that's part of it. And, and Justin, you know, um, at this point last year, um, was hardly playing. We, were, we had 11 guys on our roster, and his minutes were very, very hit and miss. 
And quite frankly, he was number 11 out of 11. And uh, just the improvement that young man has made over the course of, I don't know, I've been on the job 18 months. I've never seen anything like it. Mm. And it's just a testament to him how hard he works, his dedication to his craft. Uh, dude is in the gym all the time. And obviously he's got some natural talent. You know, uh, he's a quick j- jumper, knows how to play, all those kind of attributes. So, uh, and he's super hungry. And we have a mantra in our program. Uh, it's an acronym, GATA, G-A-T-A, and it stands for Get After There. But, and we'll leave it at that. But, and, and, Thanks for that BYTV edit, uh, Coach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking out for the viewers. And so, um, but he, he personifies that um, to a T. And so, but at the end of the day, towards the end of last year, the last six weeks or so last year, I would say he was a big reason we won 17 of our last 19 games. And, and one of the and that and one of those two losses was in the NCAA tournament. His minutes really went up about the last six weeks, and even in the in the uh, Mountain West Conference title game against San Diego State, he was on the floor uh, at the end of the game. So we knew and we expected him to have a big year, and certainly he hasn't disappointed. Utah State head basketball coach Craig Smith with with us on BYU Sports Nation. We've talked a little bit about Namiash Keta. How close is he to being 100% himself and fully integrated back into his usual rotation? Well, look, you know, I wish I had an exact answer for that. You know, uh, um, he obviously got cleared, uh, uh, well, the day of the Fresno game, so last Saturday, so six days ago. Um, It's going to take him a while to get to where he was last year. Um, Just, you know, the way he set for for a legitimate um, 6'11 to 7'0", with shoes on at the NBA Combine last year, he was measured at seven foot. Um, his fluidity is just incredible. The way he can slide defensively, the way he gets off the floor and blocks shots and certainly affects shots um, is pretty incredible. And obviously his rebounding ability. And so when you have a knee injury and that sort of thing, like it takes time to get that, you know, all the way back and. You know, he's also, at the end of last year, he was like 218 to 220 pounds. And now he's up to, depending on the day, 245 to 250. So he's put on some very good weight, which is what he needed to do um, to help his game. But with that, you have more weight. It takes even maybe a little bit more time, right? Because you got to get your leg back to um, the same strength as your other leg. So uh, he's a day-by-day uh, he, we're working with him day by day just to see where he's at, measuring his measurables, so to speak. And so, um, but we're excited to see him on the floor. He certainly makes a positive uh, impact for us on both ends of the floor. And um, when he'll be back, like to where he was last year, that's just hard to say at this point. BYU comes into the game eight and four, fourth game with Yoli Childs back from the NCAA suspension. What sticks out about BYU so far to you, coach? Well, they're really, really good. I mean, <laughs> they're they're a very, very good basketball team. They're very well coached. Uh, they're when you when you look at their team. I mean, obviously they have four guys that are averaging, averaging double digits or more, and a fifth one is right there. I think at eight point nine points, and they're playing eight guys nineteen or more minutes a game. Uh, so they have it all, though. And not only do they have it all. It, they, they also have all the parts really fit each other. 
Um, they all, you know, each guy compliments one against one another in such a, a great way. And it's not very often in college basketball that you get an opportunity to coach three guys that have scored over a thousand points in their college career. And so Yoli Childs is obviously an, an, an incredibly impressive basketball player. There's not much that that guy cannot do on the floor. He's an excellent passer. He can shoot the three. He's a He's a bulldog in the post. He can score every which way on the block. He's a good free throw shooter. And so, and he's, he's got a high, high IQ. Um, certainly Hawes is a thousand point score. I don't know. I think he's top five in the history of BYU and assists. And, and he started every game in his career. And I can go right down the line. Jake Toulson <laughs> is the quote unquote new guy, but whack player of the year. And he's the guy that, Played for Coach Pope for for all four of his years, so he knows that system inside out and backwards. And 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 then the Arizona transfer uh, has found new life, so to speak. And and Nixon looks like a whole nother player from last year. And so they're very very good. They're an excellent passing team. Um, obviously, they're it's incredible how well they're shooting it, especially since Childs has been back. So. Um, so there's been a few sleepless nights last few nights, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish you uh, a pleasant... If my, if my eyes are a lot blacker than normal, and that's saying something, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> okay, I'll look for that tomorrow. There's, make, there's makeup for that, Coach. We know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. My wife keeps telling me, Craig, did you put the lotion on? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me do it. No, I don't need it. I want to look like, like I'm... Uh, came out of a 15-round fight or something. <laughs> the other guy. Okay. <laughs> Coach, great to talk to you. Look forward to a fantastic matchup tomorrow in Salt Lake City. Thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great holiday season. All right, you too. Craig Smith on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. You Ex- see why he's extre- so likable. Extremely likable. Yes. The anti-Stu Moral. <laughs> <laughs> Stu Morrow was a little more stern with things, right? And yeah. that worked. And Stu that worked. won some big games that, in Logan. Yes, and won a ton of games and didn't get in the attorney one year, right? But, yeah, Craig Smith, tremendous coach, guy on the rise, awesome, uh, fun chat, our first chat with him, so that was and great. And situationally aware to his BYU audience. Yes, he is. <laughs> Gotta get after their butts. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's first. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal, No Deal. Presented by our friends at Delta Airlines, Keep Climbing, and our friend Ben Bagley will join us to present us with the topics today. Well, you bring up five stars. Of course, we are a five-star program. But the first big deal, no deal, relates around number five. Big deal, no deal. BYU five straight games with ten or more three-point makes. This is BYU record. The old record was three. Yes, this is a big deal. BYU continues to not only shoot but make ten or more threes. We've been saying for years, BYU's a good three-point shooting team. We're finally seeing it. Last year, BYU was not that good. This year, they are really good. Yes, this is a big deal. It's a record because it's such a yeah. big deal. BYU is 8-4 and four because they're doing this, and they're winning big games even without Yoli Childs. Absolutely, this is a big deal. Number two. Big deal, no deal. BYU's 12-spot climb in the Ken Palm rankings overnight. This is a big deal. BYU's up to 42 already. They're ahead of Utah State. The fact that Ken Palm told us earlier in the show that if you're in the top 45, you're pretty, uh, 
you have a pretty good chance of making the NCAA tournament. It is early. It's December 11th. But this is a good sign. Last year, BYU did not sniff the NCAA tournament one time. And here we are, BYU sitting at 42. Yeah, the bigger deal for me is that it's not just Ken Palm. It's ESPN's Basketball Power Index as well. BYU's number 35 35! There. All of the ratings are up. So combine all of that together. And now BYU is quote-unquote, a favorite, according to these ratings on ESPN and Ken Palm. Yeah, that's a big deal because BYU is in a good position. Next. Speaking of ratings and ranking, let's go the other way with a number. Big deal, no deal. TeamRankings.com gives BYU a 91% chance of making the NCAA tournament. They're on the tourney train. Is it a big deal or no deal? 91! This is a big deal because it's such a big number. I know it's early, but it's exciting because we've, we're seeing what BYU can do with Yoli Childs, and Team Rankings is validating that idea. By the way, in Ken Palm, BYU is the highest-rated four-loss team in the country. Thanks to Cougar Stats for mm-hmm. heads up on that. Your close, personal my close personal friend. friend. Yeah. What if you had to buy me pizza on Twitter yesterday? Yeah, because I said, well, your friends, <laughs> you've had dinner. <laughs> this is a big deal, 91%. What? Crazy. Uh, Again, what's an even bigger deal is that TeamRankings.com has BYU most likely as a number six seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't see that one happening. That one's crazy. Like, if BYU gets in, they're like an eight or nine. Honestly, that's kind of of a no deal. It's just kind of a a funny, amazing thing that's going on right now. That's great. 91% to get in the tournament. They're projecting in all of the right directions statistically everything's great right BYU's now. in the conversation at no. any point last year was BYU even close to the bubble conversation no yes not even not even close last year didn't sniff it once didn't even make the NIT it was pathetic right it was bad and things changed right um and but here we sit uh, after 12 games and BYU's in a good spot keep it going keep all it right. like win Saturday keep it going number four Big deal, no deal. Alex Barcelo clotheslining Jazz Johnson last night. This is the big deal. Okay, Alex Barcelo makes a kind of a, a an up and under, right? He gets a, a backdoor pass, makes a layup, and he swings his arm, and then boom, right into Jazz Johnson's throat. I think it was on accident. Um, hard to know, but he's excited, but he goes right into Jazz Johnson. And then Alex never turns and talks to Jazz about it, who's like, what the heck just happened, man? <laughs> I think this is a big deal. It was weird. This is a no deal. It was clearly what? an accident. One million percent an accident. He's looking back at the shot as he makes it and swings his arm as he's turning around. Unfortunately, Jazz Johnson and his larynx happened to be there at the <laughs> wrong spot in the wrong time. But he's got to turn and say something. Okay, Jazz so, like, sorry, bro. I think he was a little embarrassed, and so to not draw further attention to it for the officials... He just kind of ignored the whole thing. Everyone saw it. He ignored Sorry, Alex. Alex ignored the whole thing like, uh, whatever. No, that didn't just happen. Yeah, not, not a big deal to me because what? it was totally an accident. And we don't know if Alex apologized later. Maybe he did He later. seems like know. the kid that would apologize later after the right. game is in over. In the heat of the moment, Alex is the most intense person in the entire gym. So I could imagine that maybe later he said something. But this is a big deal, dude. No. He... Punches him in the neck, essentially. <laughs> that was insane. Bam. Accident. An accident. And I, I'll give a pro- I've thought about doing that a lot, but I've never done it. I'll give props to uh, Jazz Johnson <laughs> for just being for just going with it. Like, he was really calm and collected about it. He was incredibly yeah. chill about yeah. the whole situation. Well done, Jazz. Former Portland pilot. Number five. All right, last one. Big deal, no deal. Spencer Linton's birthday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hey, Kiki, what's up? It's Kiki's cilantro. (laughs) 
What? Wow, a cake too? Oh, fantastic. Yay. Four of the eight candles are lit. It's lit in Four of the eight candles are lit. That's all we could afford. Okay, making a wish. Was it the BYU goes in the NCAA tournament? Don't tell. I'm not going to tell you. Is the fire alarm going to go off? we got smoke in here. Love this. Thank you. Thank you, Kiki. Yeah, thanks, Kiki. BYU Sports Nation right now. Yeah. I think legally you should change it to cilantro. Just an idea. I'll remember that. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Keith. Oh, wait. Hold on. She took the cake. What the heck? No, no. It, it's, you know, she's bringing it back now. Yeah, bring it back. I want a piece. <laughs> Jer- Jer- Jeremy wants I want a, a piece. piece of cake. We'll yeah. save you a piece, Kiki. Yeah, yeah. We'll Let's put it right here. It looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. What a great surprise. Thank you. That's awesome. Happy That's birthday, awesome. man. I Thank can't you. believe you're 24 today. All right. 24, 14 awesome. years running. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Silver State champions, BYU basketball taking down UNLV and Nevada in back-to-back efforts, both by 33 points. Joining us now to discuss those blowout victories and what it means for the Cougars' ratings is the college basketball stats guru, Ken Pomeroy, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, friend of the program. Nice to have you back, Ken. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, BYU jumps 12 spots in your ratings from 54 to 42 after another blowout victory. Why such a big jump after a win by BYU over Nevada last night? Yeah, I mean, it, part of it is just the, the domination. I mean, it was a, you know, a, a, a dominant win over a, you know, what seems to be a respectable Nevada team. And we don't, it's early in the season, and I guess things could go either way for them still. Obviously, with the, the new coach, there's some uncertainty there, but um, you know, I still have Nevada rated as the 95th best team. So, you know, even when you're able to do that at home, uh, beating a team like that, that convincingly, uh, you know, probably says something. And so that's the reason they got a little bit of a bump there. What's your evaluation of BYU so far this season since they played nine games uh, without Yoli Childs? Did pretty well, 6-3, and now they sit at 8-4. and four. Yeah, you have, to be, you have to be pretty impressed. I mean, even uh, before getting Yoli back in the lineup, you know, they obviously – uh, did some damage in terms of, you know, getting that uh, incredible win against Houston. And, um, you know, they obviously let one slip away against San Diego State and, and, and Boise State. But uh, just the way they played, I think, you know, gave you some hope that they were going to, you know, have a uh, certainly a year where they could, again, finish, you know, near the top of the WCC and, and be competitive in that sense. And then obviously since getting Yoli back, you know, they've looked pretty good. They're, you know, obviously always going to uh, regret what happened at the Huntsman Center, but, you know, part of that was because Yoli wasn't on the court at the end. He obviously uh, made a difference there. So, uh, you know, certainly the last two games have been uh, especially impressive, and, and obviously now they get an even bigger test against Utah State. Ken Pomeroy with us on BYU Sports Nation. Statistically speaking, which matchup are you looking forward to most between BYU and Utah State, again, from a numbers perspective? Yeah, um, from a numbers perspective, I think, you know, it's really just kind of seeing how, uh, I guess, uh, BYU shooting really holds up um, against Utah State's defense. Uh, you know, it's really kind of a, a match of a matchup of strength on strength here so far, especially inside. You know, BYU's been pretty good uh, even before they got Yoli Childs back. Like even the you know the backcourt guys, T.J. Hawes and and Jake Toulson and Alex Barcelo, been really good in terms of um, scoring inside the arc. And Utah State's defense is uh, pretty good at defending that. Uh, so far, 39th best in terms of defending two point percentage, whereas uh, BYU's offense is 78th best and um, you know, obviously Utah State has a personnel issue of their own where they haven't had Nemeus Cato really at all. 
um, up to this point. And so if he, you know, is able to go out there and, and, you know, give Utah State, you know, 20 minutes or so of just great rim protection, that's going to be interesting to see how BYU handles that. Yeah, BYU is a favorite by one and a 53% chance to uh, beat Utah State. So this has turned into a pretty even matchup in your eyes then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an even matchup, and it's, you know, it's a high-stakes matchup, obviously, for both of these teams in terms of, uh, you know, just at-large hopes because you are possibly getting a quad one win. Uh, you know, these, either of these teams end up in the, in the top 50. You know, a neutral site win would be a quad one win. So, uh, obviously, we know that uh, you know those type of type of quality wins are are not easy to come by in the Mountain West or the WCC, and so uh, an even matchup here, and a uh, and certainly a, a possibility for a, a really good win, whoever gets it. Ken Pomeroy on BYU Sports Nation College Basketball Stats Guru. Ken, when you look at what BYU's done defensively, giving up fifty and forty two in back to back games, how has that adjusted their defensive presence in your numbers? Yeah, it's helped quite a bit. I mean, they're up to 76 in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the adjusted defensive efficiency, which is how I, I rank defenses. Um, so that's certainly respectable. The offense is 23rd. So I think, you know, the formula here for BYU, obviously, if they can continue to, to shoot the ball, uh, you know, as well as they have, especially from the perimeter. And you would expect them to continue to be a, a really good shooting team, especially with uh, Childs able to take some of the heat off, uh, off of those shooters um, defensively. Uh, you know, certainly I think the formula is, hey, this team's going to have a, you know, really solid offense and can the defense just be capable? Um, and, you know, they've been more than capable the last, the last uh, couple of games. Uh, again, the competition ramps up here. You know, you're trying to uh, defend guys like Sam Merrill and Nimi Escada and Justin Bean. Um, it's going to be a little bit more challenging than what they've seen the last two games. But uh, certainly you have to be optimistic based on, uh, based on what we've seen recently. For people that don't know, uh, your rating is one of the primary metrics used by the NCAA Selection Committee on Selection Sunday, which is pretty awesome uh, and, and perhaps surreal for you. I don't know. I, I, we've loved your stuff for a few years, and now they're using it to actually evaluate stuff. But how do you evaluate BYU right now do you, with Yoli Childs? Do you feel like this is, looks and feels and statistically looks like an NCAA tournament team? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, the way I'd answer that is that they are, are good enough to be a, a tournament team like they're, they're playing good enough to be a tournament team you know when you're ranked 42nd in my ratings you're you're really like on the cut line in terms of getting that large bid and, and you know most of that was done without yoli so um you know when you consider that like clearly they're, they're good enough to be an at-large team it's just now a matter of putting that resume together to you know impress the committee um that's the next step and they uh, as i said they've shown signs of that before they got yoli obviously since they've got him um you know there's been some encouraging signs uh but you know, if you don't win the games like Utah State, if you don't, you know, at least split with St. Mary's in conference, like we can talk about how you're ranked in the 40s all you want. But if you don't have those wins, you know, you're not going to get selected. So they certainly are good enough. There's going to be teams, I'd say, worse than BYU that end up getting at-large bids. There's going to be teams better than BYU that don't get at-large bids. So, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where, they, you know, they basically control their own destiny. I mean, if they can, they're good enough to get some of these wins. So if they can pull it off, uh, you know, they can certainly make the tournament. Yeah, certainly a huge one with Utah State on Saturday. Where is that cut line for you? Is it top 40 about there? Yeah, it's like about 45. I think if you're 45th, you're probably, uh, you know, 50-50 to get in. And, and like I said, you know, there's going to be teams, you know, there's going to be teams like in the 30s, like one or two teams that probably don't make it. And there's going to be teams, one or two teams in the 50s and 60s that, that do get in just because, you know, the way the resume works out is not exactly lined up with the way my ratings work. But uh but yeah, right around right around the mid forties, which you know both these teams are there right now. You know BYU forty two, Utah State forty seven. So it kind of kind of tells you uh, what's going to be at stake on Saturday. 
Ken, as you evaluate the new NCAA tournament uh, inclusion process of who gets in, who is not included after a few years, and I say new because RPI has been essentially taken out Thank of a goodness. major factor in this game. What would you do to change the process, even though it is new and seemingly better? Right. So it is better. Like getting, yeah, getting rid of the RPI is certainly a reason for a celebration, and the net is a little bit more of a a modern formula that I think uh, is a better starting point for assessing uh, quality of wins. Um, to me, the next step, which is probably a pipe dream, but it's really getting to even a more automated approach in terms of evaluating the quality of wins and losses. You know, right now you have a bunch of humans who are looking at resumes and comparing them across, you know, so many teams. And it's just really hard to manage all that information. And naturally those humans are going to simplify the process. And the way they do it is they, basically look at like your best wins, you know, your best two or three wins. And that can be really influential into whether you get into the tournament or not. And, you know, it really hurts teams, especially like the ones we're talking about today with Utah state and BYU, you know, from these conferences that are not power five, but close, you know, the Atlantic 10, the mountain West WCC, the American, where you're playing a lot of teams in the, you know, 50 to 150 range. And, you know, if you go 10 and three against those teams, like you're probably a tournament quality team. And, Right now, uh, the selection committee just doesn't have that in their heads. It's just really hard for them to to understand that that's the case. And, you know, all the advanced analytics that we have and and the work that's been done in the past decade or so really kind of confirms that it is the case. And it's just like a really impossible task for these 10 people to kind of manage all that information and and figure this out. So I'd I'd propose a more automated uh, approach to evaluating a team's resume. And that usually scares a lot of people when I bring it up. And it's probably not something that we're going to see anytime soon. But, uh, but maybe someday. The robots are taking uh, over. I was going to say, do you want Skynet? What the heck, Ken? <laughs> I mean, when you're trying to evaluate 353 teams, I, I just think, you know, there's some things humans are really good at, and there's some things we're maybe not as good at, and, and this might be one of those things. Ken Pomeroy wants to take away 10 American jobs <laughs> on the NCAA selection committee. I'm just kidding. Uh, last night, Louisville goes down. Another number one team loses. Is there a great team in college basketball? It's probably not a great team. I mean, we still have Ohio State who has played like a great team to this point. Like, Ohio State literally has, you know, uh, not played a bad game yet. They haven't trailed in the, the second half of, of any game they've played with the exception of uh, their season opener against Cincinnati where they trailed for the first three minutes of the second half. Before. Are you talking about football or basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like 2007 all over again here for Ohio State. You know, like, uh, yeah, maybe playing for national titles in both sports. But, uh, but yeah, that's the only team that's, that's looked great, and yet, you know, they're going to have their moments. Like, they're going to have a game or two or three or four where they're not going to look very good. And so this really is a year so far that there hasn't been a great team, which makes it especially interesting. Like, you know, there's there's just a lot of compression, really, between the number one team and the number 20 team. So that should, uh, should make things pretty exciting, especially when we get to March. Ken, your website is a daily destination for us on BYU Sports Nation, KenPom.com. How do people take advantage of uh, your College Hoops info, and what's new this year? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, just head on over to KenPalm.com. You can see the ratings on the front page, but you can also kind of dive into deeper statistical insights for the, the low price of 19.95 a year. Um, as far as what's new, I, you know, there's just a little bit more kind of bells and whistles behind the scenes in terms of the, the team data and the, the individual lineup data and, and, uh, and features like that. Um, but I think one of the things I pride myself on is just the, uh, the consistent presentation of the website. So, uh, you know, it's not like Facebook where one day you're going to wake up and all the 
something's changed and you can't find it. Like <laughs> my site, once you subscribe, like yeah, I'll add a few things from time to time, but I'm definitely not going to change things up too drastically. Like you'll you'll know what to expect every morning. Ken Palmer are doing things better than Facebook since 2000. <laughs> Ken, thanks for the time, man. Thanks, Ken. All right, thanks, guys. We get it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our pleasure now to welcome in Jonathan Tavernari, current BYU basketball analyst for us, former BYU basketball sharpshooter, and a man who I believe is on the tournament train currently right now. Jonathan, are you on the BYU basketball tournament train? I... Let's keep, let's keep that. Let's keep that forty-two percent in three-point shooter, really? up and I'll stay on the train. Okay. Do you think forty-two percent okay. sustainable? That feels like I a think, high number. I think I called that at the beginning of the the season. You know, one of my first times here on the show, I said that I thought forty-two percent was the sweet number for them to be able to be successful. Can we, we pull, can we pull 40, that? Right? Did that you said actually they had so, to be. You had to be forty or better. Yeah, and so and, and that's my thing. I think that it, when you look at. Um, you know, and I, you know, just just talking with people, you know, inside the program. But when you look at their losses to Boise, uh, maybe their loss to San Diego State, those were good shooting nights. But if you put the average of those two games together, you're you're not at that, that threshold of forty percent or forty two percent. And so I, you know, uh, and just listen to the segment before you guys talking. I think that number it's important, and uh, over forty percent of their baskets coming from three. I mean, it is a three-dependent team. And, you know, obviously Yoli has only played two games, so, you know, maybe by the time conference starts, we have a little bit better notion of that. But I've said it all along, I mean, I think all of us did, that if this team keep it up to shooting like that, they'll be able to, to be successful. And, you know, hopefully the NCAA tournament, it's, it's here again. Now the anomaly is BYU shoots 12 for 24 from the three-point line against Utah right. and loses that game. Uh, so there will be those nights, but more often than not, you would think that making 12 three-pointers in a game right. is going to result in a win for BYU. And that was, that was such an, a weird game, right? It was so – it was surreal. I mean, I, I had, a, I had a, a previous commitment, but as I was watching the replay and tweeting about it, I'm like, when does, you know, when does the, the car fall off the cliff? Because 10 minutes to go, five minutes to go, we are right there. You know, they're, they're right there to win this game. And then out of just a moment's notice, you know, the, the little kid that looks like Goku, you know, kind of goes <laughs> super excited and, and just goes <laughs> no. crazy and just starts lighting up everybody. And so, but I think that it was a, it was a lesson for them to learn, you know. I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from the coaching staff. And there's schemes, and, and I've, told, I've told Pope that many times. I really like what I see. They have flashes of greatness, you know, um, and it could be a whole lot worse. I mean, look at the first year coach at UNLV, and he has his hands full. I mean, because my gosh, I there was not a happier person when they smacked UNLV because that is one team I cannot stand. <laughs> and so it is the only team that I have a, a negative record against mm. when I was, you know, from my time here at BYU. And so I, you know, obviously being a Bishop Warman guy, and I cannot stand the Rebels. And I, I'm like, put 40 on them. Then take off the starters. Full court press. And so Full court uh, press. It, it would be a whole lot harder for, for this coaching staff to start from scratch with all freshmen and sophomores. So they're having the benefit of getting a, a senior-led group, and so, but um, I, I going back to the point. I think 
three-point percentage is really a key for this team, and I think we said it all along. You made a great point. This number's going to go down in terms of the 41% of the points coming from them because Yoli Child's right. in here. So ha- what have you noticed in the two games of the biggest difference schematically with BYU with Yoli Child's in now? Right. Um, so when you were on vacation last week, no, I'm just joking, but <laughs> um, it's you get this shiny new toy, and you get one of the top players in the country that you have nothing going on. You can just throw the ball in there. You space on the, on the opposite side, and boom. If he gets double team, he will find the shooters, which he did at times. Um, but if he's not, I mean, I like the chances of Yoli going one on one against anybody, and so and that's what we saw—the dominance. You know, he really looked like a man amongst boys in that first half, and even in the second half until until. And it was interesting. I was talking to his high school uh, AAU coach and it, it, Tim Davis. Yeah, and I don't know if it was. And I was talking to Tim. I don't know if it was at the 16 minute mark or the 10 minute mark on the TV. It's hard for you to tell, but it looks like it was halfway through the third to the second half that he kind of started feeling something. Um, but he was still dominating, right? And so I think that's the biggest difference, that we're going to see more of an inside presence. Um, I also think that Jake Tulson, and you could see that a little bit in these last few games, needs to be idolized more inside inside the the, the paint, more mm-hmm. like back to the basket, almost like Lee Kamar did, like Tyler LaHaz did. I think that those are the ways that we can be efficient. Um, and the rotation, I, you can kind of see it against Utah when, you know, when, when they had the 16-point lead that he kind of put in Jake to kind of take the reins a little bit when Yoli was out. And so it's the future looks bright. I think a seven and two, this a seven and four, this team should be at nine and two right now, you know, but can't cry over spilled milk. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. We'll get to your kumbaya moment with Steve Alford in just a bit. But let's talk about what the Nevada Wolfpack bring in. You watched them practice yesterday. Yeah. How do you think BYU matches up against the Wolfpack? Well, I think it's an interesting team. They're very long. Right. I mean, they're long and athletic, which it's a, it, you know, it's a it's a recipe for disaster when it comes to BYU. However, in those flashes, those flashes of greatness that I mentioned, Houston, an extremely athletic team. BYU went to his, Houston, excuse me, and manhandled them. Right. Um, San Diego State, incredibly long and athletic. BYU manhandled them for 37 minutes out of a game. And so with Yoli. That shouldn't be an issue. Um, Kobe has taken tremendous uh, strides to be better, and he's improving, as, as, as Mark Pope said. I think it'll be an interesting game. I do think that it's a very important game. It's uh, the first stretch of the season, uh, excuse me, uh, the only stretch of the season that they do back-to-back games against uh, top 100 uh, Cam Palm uh, teams. And so it is, it's kind of like I said about the UNLV game. It is a very critical game. Get them in the gym. Just, you know, just beating the living heavens out of them and get rid of them, get shooting. And tonight is the same thing. Got a really good team in. I mean, I know they lost to Utah um, and they lost to USC, but UNR, uh, they beat Santa Clara. They pounded them by 31 points. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's an important game for rhythm to get confidence. Um, Yoli's first game at the Marriott Center. And so I think it's there's a lot of things going on to, that, you know, that, that can be a positive for BYU. It is Yoli Child's first game at the Marriott Center. I'd forgotten that. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I should be sitting on that chair. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, so. a, it, it's good to hear a great point. That's awesome. Uh, Steve Alford um, and you. So let's rewind. Was it 09 or 10? I'm trying to remember. It was uh, February of 2010. So 2010. You, you and uh, Steve have an interaction in the line, uh-huh. right? Yeah. It goes national. Steve gets reprimanded. Yeah. 
commanded yeah. by the conference and whatnot. And so you went to practice last night and, uh-huh. and you made it. After that game, you guys talked and right. reconciled and you were good. Well, it, so wh- where do we sit with this? Well, just you know, I'll take a minute here, but think about the, the magnitude of that game. Up to that point, there was no Jimmer and Kwai in San Diego State and BYU. That was the highest rated game in Mountain West Conference history to that point. We were number, I, I think we were 10 and 11, and they were 10 and 11. So it was a top 10 matchup, and the winner of that game took home a championship, a conference championship, right? Um, and so, and it was, it was just a slug fast. It was physical. I think the final score was 55 54. It, was, it wasn't a high scoring game, which for us back then, it, was, it wasn't heard of. And we ended up losing, and it was quite a bit of controversy, and we lost on the last second putback or whatever. Um, but I was, you know, I was shook and I was, it was senior night. I was very emotional. I didn't have a good game and I was looking at the scoreboard and he is right in front of me and he came to kind of give me a hand and give me a hug. And my first reaction was to kind of push him out of the way. And then we kind of just went back and forth and, um, you know, he said what he said and we all caught that on, uh, on camera. Um, (laughs) as soon as we go back to the locker room, the first thing I do is I go to Tom Homo and I said, Please come with me. I need to fix what I did wrong. And I go straight to the locker room. They're celebrating. I take time off. Um, Roman Martinez, who was with me on the photo, I don't know if you guys shared the photo. Yep, we did. And I said, hey, can you get Coach Alford, please? And I'm so sorry. This is all my fault. I started it. Please accept my apologies. Forgive me. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. You know, and 10 years went by. I think about a handful of years ago, my father-in-law actually saw him on the airport and shared with him what I was doing, you know, back in, you know, back in the time I was in Italy. And he said, oh, Jonathan was always one of my favorites, loved compete against him. I'm following his career, blah, blah, blah. And so this is the first time that I had a chance to go in. And, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was smiles and, and, and hugs. And, and we had some great, great battles against them. You know, that's back in when the Mountain West was at its peak. And, you know, and it was very – it was a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, heat at the moment and battles at the pit here at the Marriott Center. I mean, we had for quite some time the longest home winning streak. And so we had a lot on the line. And, you know, it's at the heat of the moment, you know, prop to Mark Pope against Utah for saying that the referees are courageous and just, Brave. And just props to him because, you know, I being the emotional person that I am and I sound very calm and eloquent and polite when I'm here with you guys, but I, you know, as you guys remember when I played, I, I'm not like that when, you know, when I'm on the court and, you know, it's, yeah, but it all, all, you know, water under the bridge and hugs and smiles and just hope our Cougars take down, you know, the wolf yeah. back tonight. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Hey coach, it's great to see you, but I hope BYU <laughs> destroys your team tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And, and those were some epic battles. Like you talk about New Mexico had BYU's number. Oh, yeah. No one had BYU's number. Except UNL- for New Mexico. And well, well and on, their, I remember on their home that. court. Yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway, that's uh, let's <laughs> talk right, about the positives, right? right? You're yeah. right. So. <laughs> uh, by the way, Dalton Nixon reminds me of you a little bit in that this kind of stretch for. Yeah. How about his evolution? He, he, he has become a dynamic three point shooter. And so, um, Dalton and Kevin, uh, Nixon, Kevin, uh, Dalton's next, will be the first to tell you that when uh, Dalton signed in, uh, well, signed up when he was you know, coming in from high school. I took him out to lunch, him and Kevin, so it wasn't a violation. Uh, Chad William, everything's okay, all right? <laughs> no problems, but because nowadays you got to make sure everything's okay. Yep. Um, took him to lunch, and just I showed Dalton a lot of my film. This is how you can be used at BYU. And unfortunately, it took him four years to be used that way, but it, unbelievable, right? I mean, first three seasons, barely can toss a rock in the ocean, and it kind of gets returned. 
kind of like Maui, you know, when she tosses the thing and comes back to her. But um, with with him now, it's he is shooting with confidence. Like he catches and he's ready to go. So proud of him and wish this evolution had come sooner. But, you know, like you talked about, would have, could have, should have, not with, give me when and that and all of that. So anyway. Give me threes. Give me threes. And Dalton is, right? The eloquent and sometimes emotional Jonathan Tavernari. (laughs) Back with us on BYU Sports Nation. Great to talk to you, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. And no one's going to yell at you as you leave. We just want you to know. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, we'll see. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The... Always entertaining, Jerem Jordan had an opportunity to speak with current QB1 Zach Wilson yesterday as BYU prepares for the Hawaii Bowl. The conversation started with a look back, understandably, at that head-scratching game against San Diego State. One-on-one, BYU Sports Nation All-Access with the quarterback, Zach Wilson. Obviously, San Diego State, not the performance you or anyone wanted. How have you guys tried to bounce back from that as you prepare for the final game of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just how can we finish because, you know, there was a lot of things... Um, that went well for us in that game. I mean, someone said that it was the most yards put up on San Diego State in two years or something like that, and, you know, it shows we did well. We moved the ball on them. I thought we threw the ball well, moved the, moved the ball right down the field, but you know, there's something about, you know, the red zone that we just we got to get over that little hump and um, be able to finish. And I, don't re- I really don't think it's, it's something that, you know, you got to give the defense credit, but it's, I don't really think it's something they're doing. It's, it's, it's on us, whether it's, you know, I know we had an illegal formation based on communication errors or, you know, miss a block or we miss a, you know, a decision or, you know, we run the wrong route, I make the wrong throw, you know, whatever it is, like stupid things that, that we, we can control has to be better, um, you know, in the red zone. I think we just need to finish these drives. We keep moving the ball down the field. We just got to finish. What's the key as the quarterback in the red zone? Um, because it seems like it does change, like what you need to do changes inside the 20. Yeah, I mean, the red zone's hard because, you know, you all of a sudden don't have as much space, right? You got the back of the end zone right there. And I think I think the biggest thing that comes with us is how can we take advantage of our first and second downs, not get, get stuck in third down situations. And, you know, just went off the top of my head. We got stuck in the third down and, um, you know, instantly had the illegal motion formation, you know, illegal motion and, um, you know, we instantly lost that possession right there, and there we are kicking another field goal after we just had, you know, a great set of plays. And so it, I think it's, you know, it's really just um, honing in on the on the little things and, and just, you know, saying, you know what, we come this far, you know, this is the easy part, right? We got 20 yards to go. We just got to get in the end zone. How are you physically coming back from the broken thumb? Yeah, good. I mean, it was rough at first, just like, just like anything, you know. Um, you know, people, like you said, expect, you know, hey, Zach's cleared that, you know, he's – like the best he's ever been but when you haven't thrown a ball for six weeks and you know you have an off season it really does take a little bit of time to you know get back in that flow I feel like the strides I've made from Idaho State to now is you know about about where I want to be I feel like physically um, throwing the ball better than I have the whole year and uh, you know mentally I just feel like I'm back in that rhythm and and uh, I'm just excited Let's talk about Hawaii. This is a team that you got your first start against. Uh, so I guess what do you rec- uh, recall or recollect from your first start last year? Yeah, it was a fun one. You know, a lot of emotions. Um, it was good to go out there and start fast. I think that's one of the biggest things we need for this game is, is how can we come down and score on the first possession of the game and, um, you know, not have things that kill our drives and um, be able to finish in the red zone. And, and then I think that, you know, picks up the energy of the whole team. Everyone just starts playing a lot better. 
I think we're mainly, uh, at least for me, looking for an opportunity for you to get lifted in the air and create another picture like that game, right? Yeah, no, it was fun, and that, and that's what I'm talking about, man. It's just the, you know, the the connection we have as a team. I think is I think is really strong, and um, you know, we just we just have to come out with that energy, and we gotta, you know, everyone's gotta come out and, and be ready for this game. Like our coaches are always saying, uh, bowl games are for the people that that want to be there, and so we gotta come out with that energy. I have an idea for you. Uh, you're probably there's probably going to be a banquet with both teams. You need to find like a wig with dreads so that you match Cole McDonald. What do you think? Yeah, I could. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the same kind of personality. I mean, he's he's in the Hawaiian Islands. He can have dreads like that. Yeah. Not here in Provo, though. Yeah, I, I don't think it would work uh, here. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, Hawaii is very different from the last two years. I know you were in high school the, the first year BYU played at Hawaii, but this is a team that's 9-5 and five and won the division. I guess, uh, how have you seen them evolve on film? No, they're a great team. They've gotten so much better than last year. Um, you know, I got a lot of respect for them. Um, they're a lot more sound of a team. Their offense will score some points, so we got to keep up with them. Um, you know, they're they're aggressive and 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 they're really just, you know, they're they're just more fundamentally sound. I would say this year, and so it's going to be another challenge for us. And uh, I think we're I think we're going to come and, uh, you know, we got we got to play well this week or next week. How do you evaluate what's gone on with the quarterbacks this year? Where all three of you have played, all three of you have done well, um, yet there have been injuries, and all three were needed. Yeah, I think it just you know it comes down to guys taking advantage of their opportunities and stepping up. You know, just like I did in my opportunity last year, and um, you know when someone gets hurt and your name gets called, it comes through, and you know that just shows like the team aspect of football, right? And everyone tries to pinpoint one thing about why one game went one way and. Um, you know, it really just comes down to three quarterbacks can come in and, and get the job done because it is a team thing. And, and when, when guys, you know, around you are all bought in and, and have that strong connection that, you know, it really doesn't matter who's at the throne. Um, you know, really anyone can get the job done because we got a, a, you know, a great group of guys. We can get the we can get the job done with some, you know, great receivers we have. You give, give them a chance to run with the ball and they're going to do a good job. How does uh, Christmas Eve in Honolulu sound? Yeah, it sounds fun. I'm excited to go out there. My parents are coming out, and then I'll be back uh, Christmas morning around 6 a.m. So it'd be good to get a little bit of both. You get that sunshine, but you know, then we'll be back in here at Utah with the snow and, and get to enjoy the, the holidays. Okay, well, best of luck on uh, your continued recovery, and then uh, finals, of course. Good luck. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Zach Wilson one-on-one with Jerem Jordan, BYU Sports Nation All Access. He is clearly the guy, Jerem. We heard it from his offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, and Zach knows that he's earned that spot. No one's questioning that. It's whether he should be on a short leash given the San Diego State game and how BYU played offensively. A lot of people are frustrated from that. And if Jaron Hall's available and things aren't going well, say in the third quarter, would you bring him in? There's a lot of supposition in the situation. I think that Zach Wilson will have a good bowl game. I think he will throw an incompletion, unlike last year. I think <laughs> Is that he one will. of your uh, going for two yeah. picks? He will throw multiple incompletions. <laughs> no. No, I, I think he'll have a good bowl game and order will be restored. I, that's what I think. All right. Yep. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Cougars and Aggies face off tomorrow night in a top 50 matchup in Salt Lake City on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Pre-game at 7 on the radio. The game's at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. Football. Freshman offensive lineman Clark Barrington. Yeah. Named to the Pro Football Focus All-American Team Honorable Mention. He's played a big role in nine games this season. Cougars in the NFL. In fall camp, uh, Eric Mateos said... Well, anyone that any freshman that plays is freshman All-American. So, 
Very, very I'm just happy that BYU has a young offensive line that's uh, done pretty well for the most part. Yeah, that's great. Dennis Sorensen and the Chiefs take on the Broncos. Jamal Williams and the Packers play Dub Bears. Kyle Van Noy and the Patriots look to demolish the Bengals. Yep. And Ziggy Ansah, if he can continue to get healthy. And the Seahawks play the playoff-eliminated Panthers. Women's basketball. BYU will host Utah Valley tomorrow. And former BYU assistant head coach Dan Nielsen. Coming for you, Dan. Now in charge of the Wolverines. Dan. Fun storylines there. UVU's coaching staff, primarily former BYU players and coaches. The Cougars are 9-0 all-time against UVU. Tip-off for Eastern, 1 Pacific on BYU TV. It's a super Saturday of basketball. Super! Volleyball. BYU is the coach's pick to win the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation this season, receiving five of the seven votes. That's one off the max of six of seven. You can't vote for your own team. Uh, Sean Olmstead obviously voted for UCLA. BYU is third in the ABCA preseason poll, and the season begins January 3rd at number 11 Loyola Chicago. That's just a couple of weeks away. Cougars in pro hoops. Elijah Bryant scored 14 points, had four rebounds, and a couple of steals in a 90-80 to Maccabi Tel Aviv EuroLeague win over CSKA Moscow. Baseball. Former Cougar pitcher Michael Rucker was selected by Spencer's Baltimore Orioles in the second round of the MLB Rule 5 draft. I don't yes. Know, I don't know what rules one through four are. Michael Rucker might start for the Orioles uh, just because the Orioles need real help. If he starts, that's uh, a, maybe an issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rucker has been in the minors since 2016. He got his highest AAA last season for hey, the Iowa Cubs. He so can play, man. Perhaps he can uh, play for the Orioles. Let's go. I'd love to see him make his major league debut with the Orioles. Track and field. BYU men's and women's track and field kicked off their team indoor season yesterday. Events will continue throughout the weekend. I'm sure there will be some more records broken, Jerem. Okay. If that's what you think. <laughs> that is what I think. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's play up those dramatics about what this upcoming week will mean to BYU men's basketball. The Cougars will take on two top 55 teams according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index in Nevada and Utah State. So, yes, the Cougars can bolster an already bubbly NCAA tournament resume with quality wins against the Wolfpack and a massive opportunity against Utah State on Saturday. Jerem, looking at these two games, is this the most important two-game stretch left on the entirety of BYU's schedule? Probably. I don't see St. Mary's and Gonzaga next to each other, so that would top this, but I think so. One uh, stretch that I looked at and thought, well, maybe this could compare, is the last two games of the regular season. So February 22nd, BYU hosts Gonzaga, and then a week later, BYU will play at Pepperdine, a place that's been tough to win for BYU over the last couple of years. Back-to-back tiered games, according to Ken Palm. Right, so Gonzaga is ninth in Ken Palm right now. Pepperdine, 126. We'll see how it shakes out. But in terms of just straight-up metrics, numbers, BPI, strength schedule, Canva, da-da-da, these two are the two. But I think in the final two, we're probably going to say, hey, if BYU can somehow beat Gonzaga at home, that will really, really help right now. So I, I, I would argue that perhaps the last two games of the regular season are the toughest two-game stretch right for BYU. But this week's really important. If BYU wins both of these games, I think they're barely out or in the NCAA tournament conversation, because the Utah State win would be really good. They're perceived as a really, really good team right now. Nevada's quality, top 100, and you go in BPI, 
55 right now. So this would be a nice win. And somehow BYU is an eight-point favorite in this. Eight points seems like a lot to me. And Ken Palm says 73% chance to win. Nevada hasn't really played anybody, or I should say they haven't really beaten anybody. The three toughest games they've played, they've lost. They're 7-3, and three, and now they're expected they did to lose come Utah. and BYU did as well. beat BYU, number 54 in Ken Palm in Provo. So, yeah, I don't know about the eight points, but I do like BYU as maybe a five- or six-point favorite. Eight, eight, it's a lot. It's a lot for sure. And to double down on what you were saying, per the Ken Palm ratings, BYU won't play back-to-back games against top 100 teams again this season. That's how it currently stands. Right. We, we don't know how things will shift and move, right. but right now it, it looks we, like We know. Won't. We just won't tell you. Jerem, all of this said... As big as Nevada and Utah State are this week, the most important two-game stretch is what will happen in Vegas at the Orleans Arena during the West Coast Conference Tournament. Oh, of course. I thought it was besides that. That is the stretch. BYU has to win the opener of the WCC Tournament, and then they'll probably play St. Mary's. It's probably what's going to happen. And if BYU wants to get into the NCAA Tournament, it... I hate to say it, will probably come down to that semifinal yeah. against St. Mary's. I mean, at, a, at a quad win, one win perhaps. But if BYU beats Utah State this week and then beats St. Mary's once during the regular season, they have four quad one wins. I, I don't know. Assuming at, that the others are still quad one. At that point, is that enough? Or are they going to have to get a fifth potential quad one win and beat St. Mary's again in Go Las get five. Vegas? Go get five. Holy don't, cow. BYU's in the West Coast Conference. They can't think that there's any minimums allowed, right? So you have to probably get a fifth and go. It is official BYU and Hawaii in the 2019 SoFi Hawaii Bowl at Aloha Stadium on Christmas Eve. Jerem, what did you think when you saw the news that it was official? BYU playing Hawaii once again, but this time in a bowl game. I'll, su- I'll simulate it. I saw it on my phone, checked my email, and I was like, oh, Hawaii. Th- so that was my reaction. So you were super excited. Yeah, super excited. Um, no, it's, it's neato. When I did some history, I learned, oh, wait, Hawaii doesn't leave to play bowl games other places. This is the 13th bowl game ever for the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. 11th in Aloha Stadium. 90, the 92 Holiday Bowl and the 07 or 08, rather, Sugar Bowl are the other two, okay? Yet, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about how this is different than any other Hawaii team that BYU's played recently. Uh, Hawaii is 9-5. and five. This will be their 15th game, by the way. So they play 13 because they're Hawaii. 14 in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, which they lost at Boise State, by the way, over the weekend. And here we are with 15. It's a winnable game, but it's a better matchup than the 2017 game where BYU wins by 10 and the 2018 game where BYU wins by uh, 26. Hawaii, uh, as you mentioned, 6th best passing out, 13th in total, 34th in scoring. Beat San Diego State, a 14-11 at home, a team that BYU did not beat. UH hasn't had a 10-win season since 2010, so there's some things at play here that are maybe more interesting than I thought. I would have preferred a team from the American, but when you look at what Hawaii's done this year, and Cole McDonald and the dreads and everything, it's, it's going to be a fun matchup, and we're excited that BYU Sports Nation will be there for this game, in addition to uh, counting in the kickoff and the postgame coverage. Yeah, I said it last week when I thought that it would be Hawaii, and it was about a 90% guarantee at least I thought based on how everything we figured would shake out over the weekend that it would be Hawaii I like it I like BYU's chances to win eight games and that's probably why I like it most is BYU albeit by a small margin is a favorite 
in a de facto road game against the Rainbow Warriors. Just straight up, right? It's, yeah. It's in their stadium. Well, it's not technically a road game. So, because it's a bowl game. But it is their home field. So, it's the same in thing about, same locker room. They'd say the same yeah. thing about BYU basketball playing UNLV in the Mountain West Conference championship game in March at the Thomas and Mack Center. But it doesn't have the UNLV logo at the center of the court. Yeah, so, it's it, not yep. a true road game. Yep. And BYU didn't win those games with Nick Emery in them either. Wait, what? <laughs> I do have they a won. little trepidation about playing Hawaii in their home stadium because Hawaii has beaten BYU eight times historically, and all eight have been in Hawaii. So there's something about the island that sometimes makes me a little bit worried. BYU better bring it. They played some close games, including in 1984 in the national championship. That was an 18-13 game. There was a 13-12 game in 1994. It can get weird. BYU better bring it. They better bring it because, as you mentioned, San Diego State lost to this Hawaii team in Hawaii. Yeah, the Cougars scored three points against San Diego State. San Diego State managed 11 points against Hawaii. The Rainbow Warriors had 14 in that game. BYU better figure out a way to win what's probably going to be a shootout. I think Hawaii has some extra juice. And what I'm afraid of is that the same team that showed up in San Diego State, wait, BYU didn't show up in San Diego State. I take it back. Shows up in Hawaii. Hopefully BYU rises up and plays a good game, and then they go from there. Now, speaking of chances and getting into the big dance, BYU basketball, according to TeamRankings.com, has a 91% chance of making the NCAA tournament. What? Based on what the Cougars have accomplished in the first 12 games. 91%. Says random website. And most likely seed a 6. Get out of here. A projected finish of 15-4 and four in the back 19 games of the regular season. Whoa. Jerem is the 91% chance making the tournament or 15 and 4 projected finish, finish rather in the back 19. Which of those two is more believable? Well, they're tied together, right? Because if BYU goes 15 and 4, then they have a 91% sure, chance, yeah, probably. Yeah. So th- that's, that's why that happens. And that would mean 23 and 8 going into Vegas. You probably need to go 2 and 1. You're sitting at 25 and 9. That's a great spot. 25 wins, according to team rankings, which I feel is a little crazy. 100% chance to get in. Who are the losses to, by the way, if BYU's 15-4? and four. So two to Gonzaga, I'm guessing, one to St. Mary's, and then one other one, either Utah State or Rando in conference, which has happened a lot, right? Didn't happen last year until the WCC tournament, I guess. Uh, what's more likely? 15-4? Uh, and four. I could see this team going on a nice run, right? 91% feels really high. Really high. To make the tourney? Wow. I... I don't know what it is right now. I don't know, 60 70% or something. BYU's got a good chance the way they're playing with Yoli Childs, which is exciting. I, I just think 91's a little wild. And I, I'm guessing BYU probably goes 15-5 and five down the stretch, maybe even six losses. We'll see. I picked BYU to win 23 games in the regular season. It was ambitious, but there's something about Mark Pope. There's something about having a bunch of it's seniors Yoli that Childs. are experienced. That's the something. Yoli Childs. Jake Toulson absolutely <laughs> is a huge part of that. TJ Haas is a big part of that. You have experience across the board and an infusion of energy from Mark Pope and his staff. BYU, because they do what Mark Pope teams do, they go and win some games that we're like, whoa, I didn't expect them to win that game. It's already happened a couple of times this season. I expect it to happen a couple of more times this season. 15-4 and 
would mean BYU finishes 23-8 and eight in the regular season. They are capable of that. So I think that that is more likely than a 91% chance. If BYU goes 15-4, and four, I still wouldn't put it at 91% chance of making the tournament. It'd probably be around 80%. 23-8 going into Vegas. Now, if BYU won their first-round game and they were 24-8, and eight, even if they lost to St. Mary's at 24-9, and nine, I think BYU then is 91%-ish of getting an at-large bid to get in the NCAA tournament. It, it would take 24-9, and nine, including winning at least the first game in Las Vegas. 15-4 and four seems more doable to me just because they're loaded. BYU's loaded with seniors and talented seniors at that. Yeah. Our stat of the day just may... It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Our stat of the day just may add to this conversation because the last time BYU basketball went 15-4 and four in the back 19... It's been a minute. ...was 2011-2012, which also happens to be the last time the West Coast Conference got three teams into the bracket. It probably will require that, right? It, I think BYU will need to make a nice run to give themselves a shot. Now, a 10-loss BYU team, I think, is still in the conversation. But it depends what wins BYU has, what losses BYU has. Right? BYU needs to get a couple more good wins. They need to avoid bad losses. There's some acceptable losses, right? Like if, if one of the WCC teams is top 75 in net, uh, like, say, Pepperdine's just really good, that would be an acceptable loss on the road should they be a quad one, right? But you hope to not have any of those losses on the resume. Yeah, if BYU beats Utah State on Saturday, I don't think there's any way the Cougars lose double-digit games in the regular season. That will not happen. Huge game on Saturday. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches Athletes and experts have to say, here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cody Fieger, men's hoops assistant. I'm giving you sole credit for why BYU has been historically great this season. Just you, shooting not Mark, three. not Nick, not All they Chris. had to do was watch your mechanics and figure it out. Uh... It's something we do every single day. Coach Pope, make sure... Watch you shoot? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm rebounding at that. Okay. okay. Rebounding and passing. No, um, I mean, that's something Coach Pope talks about every day and instills in confidence in our guys. We spend 20 to 25 minutes every day of just our guys getting shots. Hmm. You know, because we track every shot they take. And this um, is new, the shot tracker. The shot tracker. For BYU. Yep, yep, for BYU. And um, we spend so much time with it. You know, if we just go through a normal practice... Um, without getting shots before or after, Jake's shooting, you know, six shots in a practice. So that's that's something that we've we every single day we make sure we these guys are shooting. So does that mean you have less time in the flow of five on five? But when you do, uh, everyone's warmed up, everyone's had shots in. Is that something you do before? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Every single day we shoot twenty twenty five minutes before practice, and then and then we're on. Oh, before then we're going practice. Before practice. Gotcha. Yeah. Is it guys uh, with manual rebounders? Is it the? Yeah. Uh, no. We we have a we have a plan for each guy every single gotcha. day and what they do and certain you know, shots they need yeah, to certain shoot. shots they need to shoot. You know, cool. Jake's going to take different ones than Yoli mm-hmm. and. We'll, we'll be really specific on, on that one. That's awesome. I like that. Alex Barcelo shot the three well, as did it seemed like everybody on Saturday, 
had quite the post-game celebration. So can you give us your best Alex Barcelo well, well, let's, let's impersonation hear after of, you watch of, this? Of all people, it's not me doing yeah. that stuff. <laughs> okay, this watch is what it this like. Let's see. <laughs> Just a very, just a very calm post game. Everyone's just very chill. But this, this is who Alex is, and, and you, you described him as such uh, to me before. But bulldog, he's he's intense. He wants to win so bad. Every single day, every single game. I mean, so you know, we did two days to start the season, and Alex is up there at four thirty every day. We don't start practice till six. But he's at the gym at 4.30 every one of those days, warming up. This is in the morning, by the way. In, in the morning, 4.30 a.m., wow. yeah. In the morning, getting loose, doing his finishes, getting shots up early, making sure his body's right, you know. And and then we're, st- we're shooting to start at 6 a.m., and guys are making, you know, he made two or three in a row, and Alex is just like that. He is going bananas. Let's go, 10, you know. <laughs> you know, just – and all it is is spot shooting. And it, it's amazing. It's not five on five. No. Competitive skins. Nothing. It's a it's, drill. It's a drill where Alex is passing to Jake Toulson or TJ or Trevanell, and they're making a couple shots in a row, and Alex is going bananas just like that. Every it, group needs that. I seek to be that person for us. I'm going to start. Well, I kind of randomly yell sometimes. Okay. Oh, but yeah. But I, I don't yeah. look like Alex. You know, I'll have to work out. To get <laughs> I'm pretty to sure he burned 100 calories just in that celebration. <laughs> yeah. The constant flex. And, oh, and, my goodness. And I think emotionally that was kind of this output from ah, the frustration of the Utah loss, yeah. right? It felt like that where you guys were very dialed in, very focused, and uh, upset that Wednesday happened, right? And 100%. it showed Saturday. I mean, I mean. We watched the film on it, obviously, of the you know the Utah game and things like that, and the guys just answered the bell. Coach put a great you know game plan together, and these guys followed it to a T. And that was a team that beat BYU at the buzzer last year. So that was a nice yeah. kind of comeback win there. Coach Pope pointed out that uh, he was way happier with BYU's transition defense. I mean, you give up 31 fast break points against Utah and a smidgen of that against UNLV. What, what changed besides the opponent? Well, other than that Utah game, we've been really good all year, all year long in transition D. And we just kind of we watched the film with our guys, and we just showed them just like how that's not us and just how we needed to fix it. Um, our guys, like we didn't even – we drilled it a couple different things in practice that next day, but our guys are just like, no, that's not us. And they just saw it right from the jump there, and they changed things around. The team has made 10 or more threes in four straight games. That's a BYU record, by the way. That's never happened from the desk of Kyle Chilton. Um, this team can shoot, man. Uh, 42% from three, seventh in the country. Um, you guys talked about, yeah, we think this is a good shooting team. But we had heard this rhetoric in years before. New staff now, of course. It wasn't you guys saying it per se, but here we are. The, what has led to this three-point evolution for this team? Uh, I just think it's how unselfish our guys are, you know. Like you said, TJ, I think he took maybe three, four shots on Saturday, on Saturday, and Jake didn't take many shots. These guys just don't care. Yoli Childs is coming in, and he's just passing the ball really well. No one cares, and everyone believes in the other guy. You know, Dalton Nixon's coming in, and he was made every shot. Alex Barcel come in and made every shot. Connor Harding made three straight threes. Everyone just keeps believing in each other, and it's just, it's just making, you know, it, it's... It's been unreal to watch. BYU is shooting essentially at a clip of 40% of your shots are coming from the three-point line. Are you okay with that? Do you feel like it's too much? Do you want to be that team? I love, love being that team. <laughs> um, but 
our our guys are unbelievable. They're just going to take whatever the defense gives us gives them. You know, uh, in practice, Coach Pope puts these guys in all different situations. You know, offensively, and they got to react and make the right play. Um, and that's what our guys are doing. They're just understanding what it takes, and it's hard for teams to press us right now because we'll just pass it, and guys like Dalton, Yoli, whoever, who, whoever's open is going to shoot it and feels like they're going to make it. Just for reference, Jim, for that senior year, a ton of threes, right? 31% compared to the as, 41%. As a team, huh? As a team. Wow. Yeah. So that, and Jimmer that, took 30% of the threes. It, it was Jimmer, and then Jackson never took 1%. So there you go. Um, Dalton Nixon's evolution has been incredible. I, we've said it a bunch, but one of 16 from three last year, 15 of 31. How did you instill him with confidence to where, listen, you have a longer leash, and you're a good player, and you can shoot. You can do it. Because one, one for 16 is tough over a season span. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that just goes into where he just does it every day. Dalton has a pre-game, pre-practice routine where he does it every day, takes those same shots, and guys are yelling at him to shoot it every single time. We he's know open. Alex is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex is yelling at everybody at all times. Um, but, yeah, that, that's like, you know, Jake will come off a ball screen, pass it to Dalton wide open, and scream at him to shoot the ball, and that just – brings the level of confidence for everyone. And Coach Pope, you know, his, his deal is if you don't shoot an open shot, you're coming out. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a fun way to be benched. 100%. We need you to shoot. You're good. Do it, right? Yeah. Exactly. It just gives a ton of confidence, and, and these guys own every single shot they take, and that's the biggest thing that Coach Pope cares about. All right, Cody, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to take back and distribute to the team for a big week, Nevada tomorrow in the Marriott Center, and then Utah State at the home of the Jazz uh, on Saturday again. So take the karma, do with it what you will, and go win, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, thanks, Cody. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. As part of the celebration of 150 years of the sport of college football, ESPN put together a list of the top 150 coaches in the history of the game. This list was compiled by a panel of 150 college football media members. That sounds awful. Administrators plus former coaches and players. <laughs> As mentioned earlier, the legend, Lavelle Edwards, ranked 22nd on that list of 150. Jerem, is number 22 fair, or should Lavelle rank higher on that list? So looking at the list, I think it's pretty fair. Um, it, we know the influence of Lavelle Edwards certainly on the game, and it's been awesome. The number one coach was Bear Bryant. Two is Nick Saban. Three is Newt Rockney. Four is Tom Osborne. So you get a sense of the quality that goes there, right? Like Dabo Sweeney is 31, by the way. Barry Switzer, 13, for example. Uh, Walter Camp, 17, and so on. Behind Lavelle gives you a sense of where he fits as well. Lou Holt. Lou Holt. Number 23. Is 23, right? Uh, Vince Dooley, great Georgia coach after that, right? And so on. Um, I think 22 is probably fair. One of the top 25 greatest coaches. Great. Yes. Well-deserved. The nation reveres the man and the coach, as we all do. And we got to know Lavelle Lavelle Edwards during his uh, tenure after BYU because we were kind of too young. We were in high school when he finished up uh, at BYU. But pretty awesome. And what they said 
about him was pretty cool. I, I like a particular line in there as well. Yeah, listen to this, and I quote from the release. Edwards did more than lead the Cougars to 19 conference titles, 10, 10 win seasons, and that incredible run to the 1984 National Championship. He did more than take the vertical passing game and use it as a cudgel to bash down the door to the national elite, although grooming five first-team All-American quarterbacks is pretty cool. Here it is. Edwards used college football to take a regional religious institution and turn it into a brand. So good. We continue. BYU became known for exciting, entertaining, edge-of-the-seat college football, and it proved that three yards in a cloud of dust wasn't the only way to win games. It was just the old-fashioned one. End quote. I think that line, Edwards used college football to take a regional religious institution and turn it into a brand. Perhaps the church feels like, well, we weren't regional, but guess what? BYU football has become, and, and this gets talked about, right, is an arm of the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Brand association helps. Like, I joke with a lot of my Sunday school class that Jim Fredette's the greatest missionary of all time, right? Because he got the brand of BYU and the church out there, right? Where it's like, oh, that guy does something that I relate to, right? Sure. Good football matters. Like, if BYU had 10 straight losing seasons, the church would say, you know what? Is it worth doing this anymore? Is it worth it? BYU needs to be good at football. BYU needs the money to be good at football as well. So these go hand in hand. And what Lavelle Edwards did was took just a mediocre program to a national championship, the last group of five or non-Power 5 team to have a national title, last uh, non-group of five team or Power 5 team to have a Heisman. BYU has a brand built on what Lavelle Edwards did. So to have him in the top 25 certainly makes sense. It's a very short list that helped really establish the national brand. At the head of it is Lavelle Edwards. And then there are individual players, Danny Ainge, Steve Young, Ty Detmer, Jimmer Fredette. Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. These guys helped solidify what Lavelle Edwards was building and has established. And this all matters. It, like Sometimes uh, I think there are people who think, like, well, does athletics really matter? Yes, your brand matters. If BYU football is good, that means you get better students at the institution. Remember when Florida Gulf Coast made the Sweet 16? All of a sudden, Florida Gulf Coast became a name. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a brand. They have an association based on something they did. And, and sports are more mainstream than general academia. So it's important for the university, for football, to be important. This is a football school. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's a, and I joke, it's a volleyball school. This is a football school. The crowd for the Satake Show versus the Pope Show tells me it's a football school, right, of, of how many people show up and how many people are interested and TV eyes and TV money and whatnot, and Lavelle played into that. We are constantly, constantly scratching, itching for what was during the Lavelle Edwards era. Mm -hmm. Bronco Mendenhall kind of went that direction for a four-year period with those 6-09. But BYU has yet to do that, to not just beat Utah, but to dominate Utah. And Utah's certainly in a different place. But we are constantly aching for what used to be when it was the millennia, if you will, the millennium of BYU football, the rapture, the ever, when, it was, when BYU was the best team in the land. BYU fans love playing in the ESPN conference, right? Oh, it's good to be a member of the worldwide leader, to be in their good graces. You can thank Lavelle Edwards for that. Right. You can thank right. Lavelle Edwards for why BYU has such a good relationship 
with ESPN right now. I know that there's maintaining that goes along, but it wouldn't exist. There yes. wouldn't even be an opportunity for BYU to have this ESPN deal if it weren't for almost 30 years of Lavelle Edwards as the head coach and winning games and 10-win seasons and turning a regional religious institution into a national brand. You ask any coach across the country, what comes to mind when you think about BYU? Well, they're a national brand. Like It's synonymous. Lavelle Edwards comes in the top three there. Let me add one that adds money and prestige to BYU as well. Nike. Yeah. Phil Knight Loves and Lavelle, Lavelle Edwards were really good friends. Yep. Really good friends. BYU was on the Nike train early and continues to be on the Nike, uh, associated with Nike. And that is the brand, in my opinion, you know, in, in the world. Nike for apparel. And so BYU's had these really awesome associations because of Lavelle Edwards. And he was an amazing coach. He knew how to uh, delegate and distribute. And his coaching tree is unbelievable. And the players, unbelievable. They all loved him. We all love him. The, the stadium is named after him. Like, the fact that the stadium, most of the buildings on campus are named after a religious leader associated with Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saints, whether a prophet or an early apostle or something. The fact that the football stadium is named after Lavelle tells you what the Church mm. of Jesus Christ of Latter Day oh, Saints feels about Lavelle. Yeah, what an ambassador for yep. the school and for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. You know what I wish he would have done? I wish he would have recruited Donnie Osmond as a punter. <laughs> Could he kick? I don't know. Via the power of love? Yeah. Just bang. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Hey, we're talking about maximizing, uh, you know, the missionary tool of the church, right? Well, why didn't we have David Archuleta <laughs> exactly. as a golfer or yes, something, you know? The director of football operations. Yeah. <laughs> See David Archuleta at your Linger Longer Sunday night, you know what I'm saying? Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball features a transfer named Alex Barcelo. Maybe you've heard of him. He was granted his exception from the NCAA to play immediately, and BYU has needed every bit of that because other waivers have not come through. Barcelo, in a large way, has taken over the void that Nick Emery left. He is the feature of our Deep Blue this week, and he wasn't the only guy that BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope needed to recruit, or person, I should say. This is Deep Blue with Alex Barcelo. Not everybody knows this, but Alex Barcelo is known as a really tough competitor on the court, but off the court, he's like the softest, nicest human being in the world. So thoughtful and caring. That's like the main thing, I guess, is just how caring he is about everybody around him. Zoe, on the other hand, she's tough now. They're a great couple. They really help each other, and it's been beautiful to get to know both of them. Growing up, my dad was pretty hard on me. He got pretty bad. His dad being his coach from such a young age and always being so involved with his basketball career. And as he got older, Alex kind of wanted to be his own player, but his dad was a little bit controlling sometimes in that aspect. So it did cause some problems. Alex had to look good every time he went out to play. Alex had to be uh, appearance-wise. He had to you know, look the part. And that's one of the things that we always tell him, but you're always being valuable. So in side of some of that stuff, you know, there are some good that Alex has out of that. The problem was that the body can only be broken down so much. Alex did not talk to his dad since he went to U of A. Alex came from our high school, Corona, 
And, you know, he was an amazing player there and did so well. And then he expected the same thing at U of A. And when he got there and he realized that, you know, he wasn't playing as much as he thought he was going to be playing. And it did have like an effect on his confidence. I had some troubles that I went through just like everyone else does in life. And, uh, you know, I feel like God tested me and, and put me through those things to make me stronger and make me a better person and uh, to, to really know what I value in my life. My decision to, to come here was a blessing in disguise. It was just important that he went because it was such a good opportunity for him. And I just knew that he was going to get the opportunity he deserved here at BYU and be treated the way he deserves to be treated. We're so blessed to have him here at BYU. Missed the three. Zach, offensive rebound. Reset to Marcelo for three. He got it! A.B. for three! He was a late comer. He entered the portal this summer. As soon as he did, we jumped on it. And recruiting him was not easy. Not everybody knows this, but... We recruited Alex really hard. We recruited Zoe, his girlfriend, even harder. He would uh, call me or FaceTime me and, and ask to talk to her before he wanted to talk to me. <laughs> I did go on Alex's official visit and just meeting Coach Pope, like you could just tell what a great guy he was and it was everything that Alex was looking for and needed. Coach Pope really genuinely cared about Alex and Alex just kept saying like, you could just tell he's a good guy and he talked to some of the other players and they were all just so happy and the dynamic on the team was just good and just very different from where he came from at U of A. She really helped us and he had a tough decision. He had great schools to, to think about and ultimately chose BYU and I think he's really happy to be here. Alex thought that it was going to be harder, the transition from Arizona to BYU, just because of, you know, religious aspects and everything. But he did grow up very Catholic, so it wasn't as hard as he thought it was going to be. People were even telling him, like, you know, it is very strict there, and so he was kind of nervous. But when he came here, it wasn't that difficult at all. Guys that fit in here are guys that know three things. They know living up to a standard in some form or fashion. They have that in their personal life. They hold themselves accountable to a certain standard. We recruit guys that understand sacrifice, giving up of their own needs and desires for the well-being of the team and their teammates. And we recruit guys that understand that there's something bigger than themselves. And guys that fit in those three categories, whether they're Mormon or Muslim or Catholic or Protestant or agnostic, they fit in perfectly here at BYU. Down floor, Alex Marcelo, transition three. He got it! Every time he calls me after practice, he's so happy, which is something that I'm not used to. <laughs> Him coming from Arizona, he would come over and he would just be so upset about how practice went. But every day he'll call me and he's just so happy. And he's like, I killed in practice today. And I love playing with these guys. They're so awesome. And he's happy finally he really deserves that a b for three Love is it. a sentence that we can get used to deep blue alex barcelo presented by tim daly auto group serving utah since 1968 thank goodness alex barcelo is on this team he's been an awesome piece of this All right, it's time to play and one rivalry edition. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. 
Amazingly, after getting my rear end kicked early in the basketball season, I have uh, taken the lead. But it's basketball. Everybody makes a run, right? Yeah, I said it was early. It's what ha- it's what happens. Our end one picks for tomorrow's BYU-Utah State rivalry game. Jerem, you go first. Okay, this uh, game will be decided by 4+. plus. Okay? Right now, Ken Palm says it's a one-point game. We don't have a line out from Vegas quite yet. ESPN's BPI says 50.1% chance to win. I say 4+. plus. So I think at least a two-possession game. Yeah, free throws at the end to sign it. Okay. And what? Both Justin Bean and Yoli Childs will have a double-double. They they both average a double-double. They will both get a double-double. Yeah, that should be an easy one. If you get your first one, you should get that because you're a good free throw shooter. They could prevent each other from getting one. It's true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right, my first pick. BYU will shoot 38% or better from the field. I have major issue with this. BYU shoots 48.6%. Utah State is holding opponents to 37% from the field. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. I would feel better if NBA is one of the best shooting teams in the country. I would feel better if it was halfway. 48.6. BYU already shoots 10% better than that every game. If BYU shot 43%, it'd be half of that difference. Okay. Hey, if you want me to change... You want, you want me to bump it up to 41? 41? I just said 43 is halfway. I'm not going to give you everything you want, but I'll, I will go 41. And for some reason, you get what you want. Great. <laughs> BYU shoots 10% better than that every game. Utah State's one of the best defense teams in the country. And BYU's one of the best neutral shooting site. offensive BYU teams BYU hasn't the shot particularly well the past two games. It's not neutral. It's closer to BYU. They haven't shot well <laughs> the past two games. I'll give you 41%. Let it be known. 41%. Okay, 41. Mark it down. 41% are better for BYU. Utah State will have 12 turnovers or more. They average 11 on the season. They are ridiculously good at taking care of the ball. I think yeah. BYU's scrappy defense will force at least 12. Be scrappy rather than crappy. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, the score. We don't 16 have Jason picks. Thank goodness. For Spencer, Jerem with 15. Whoa, third-person reference. Five yards. Third-person <laughs> reference. That's a five. You know that's a five-yard penalty no, on this not. program. No, it's not. Yeah, first and 15, James Empey. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, Max is now with us. And again, we don't think he's on his way to Maui, but he's in Arizona. Max, welcome to the show. Can you hear us? Yeah, you guys got me? We got you, brother. Okay, first of all, congratulations on another state championship as the offensive coordinator at ALA in Arizona, man. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. It's always fun when, you know, you put in all the hard work year-round and for the kids to come together and pull it off and um, win another championship, man. It's fun. Those years are special. You want to hang on to them and celebrate as long as you can, right? Absolutely. Um, What's your max bench press right now, by the way? Just wondering. (laughs) What's yours? <laughs> I, I've never done. I don't think I even know, man. I know it's less than. It's probably a fourth of yours. Well, I don't know, but I've been doing a lot of shoulders lately, lifting up trophies above my head. So I'm <laughs> nice. You know, more shoulders. Nice. <laughs> so you're not going to tell me that? No, I'm not. 
I love it. Is man. Dennis Pitt on the line or is this Max? Man, jeez. <laughs> no, Dennis wishes he could be on the line. <laughs> oh, it's good yeah. to catch up with Max Hall on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Max, uh, the BYU quarterback situation has come back up because Zach Wilson struggled uh, a little bit against San Diego State. BYU loses a game that all BYU fans feel like the Cougars should have won and won six in a row and be eight and four going to the Hawaii Bowl. But here we are, seven and five. That said, assuming all quarterbacks are healthy, what would your QB depth chart look like for BYU going into the Hawaii Bowl? Yeah, you know, first of all, that loss was tough to San Diego. I think if we win that game, there's a lot more happy BYU fans out there. And I even said before the season, if we can get eight wins, I think we are I think we can be okay with that um, as far as the season goes. So that was a tough loss. I'm, I'm a little upset because I, I didn't have access to watch the game, so I didn't see much. I saw some highlights, so I didn't see exactly what – went on in that game and why we only scored three points. But um, going forward into the bowl game, uh, I think your question was everybody's healthy and um, what would my depth chart be? I would stick with Zach. I think Zach is the clear guy in the future and the guy going forward. And I think game experience is um, very valuable for him. So I would go with Zach and Romney would be my backup going into the game. Jaron Hall has had a couple of concussions, but showed really well when he played. Um, yeah, certainly a, a sensitive situation with that. W- what would your advice be as a former player and a guy who probably had concussions, right, um, in, in maybe at BYU in the NFL, where if you have two in a season, what's the likelihood that you play again? Yeah, you, uh, you really have to be careful. You know, concussions is what was a big part of what ended my career in the NFL. You know, I had two concussions where I was knocked out um, cold. Uh, in the NFL, and it really affected me and affected my play, and you have to be careful with that. And I know that's his, it's his second one on the year, right? Yes. Uh, if I'm correct. And I think you have to be careful with that. I wouldn't play him in the bowl game. I'd make sure he's healthy and uh, doesn't risk getting another one, and I'd stick with Zach and let uh, Romney play. But, yeah, when, when he's been healthy, Hall has been awesome. He's done great things, both throwing and with his feet. He's, always, he's a phenomenal athlete. So um, it's just too bad with you know, what could have happened with him if he'd have stayed healthy. Max Hall with us on BYU Sports Nation. You played in a number of bowl games yourself. Whether as a fan or as a player, and you think about BYU going to Hawaii, what's your favorite bowl game memory at BYU? Oh, man. Um, You know, the one that sticks out to me is my sophomore year, 2007, when we played UCLA. We played them earlier in the year in the Rose Bowl. And they they beat us up pretty good. We made a second-half comeback, but I remember that first half, Wayne Walker, their defensive coordinator, was just blitzing like crazy, a lot of zero blitz. I took a beating in that game. I didn't play well in the first half, and it was kind of like a welcome-to-college football thing for me. It was only my second start, I believe. So, um, But then in the bowl game that year, we beat them with a, by a blocked field goal with no time left on the clock, and I just remember racing out on the field and celebrating and um, having to play like that to end the game and end the season, I thought was pretty cool. There's this idea, Max, that uh, there could be an 18 playoff in the future in college football. One Power 5 AD at least said as much, where they'd have five auto bids, two at large, and then the best group of five team would be included in that. Would you rather BYU be in a group of five and playing for that or continue to be independent and have what they have in that way? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a good question, and I know people – People have strong opinions both sides on that. Um, I'm always a big believer about being in a conference and trying to win you know, a conference championship. I know when you're independent, there's different things you can do as far as scheduling teams and 
there's money involved in everything. But I, w- I would like to see us in a conference playing for a championship, trying to get one of those bids. Max Hall with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm with you, Max. I, I look at the p- possibility of an eight-team playoff with an automatic group of five qualifier, and that, for me, kind of changes the whole thing because I'm all about independence and BYU's exposure and watching on ESPN and making more money. Like There are so many good things about independence. Yeah. That opportunity, and we don't know what the group of five team would have to do, but if it's just be the highest-ranked group of five team, the opportunity to be in an eight-team playoff seems awfully enticing, does it not? Absolutely. I love the idea of eight teams. Um, I think there's always those two or three teams that are outside the top four that could compete and should be competing with those other teams. You know, maybe a team has one loss on the year, but still at the end of the year could be the best team with the most momentum, doesn't get in because of the one loss or, or whatever the circumstances may be. I think eight teams is the perfect amount. It gets, uh, you know, the, the top guys in it, but then there's also those one or two teams that maybe aren't consistently there every year, but have a great season and are, have the opportunity to compete with the team they have that year. So I think it's a great idea. Currently, BYU's independent. They're playing some really tough schedules. You're a guy that won, uh, what, 33, 32 games uh, as the BYU quarterback. Do you feel like BYU can win uh, 10 or more games in a season, given uh, how tough these schedules are and front-loaded? Ooh, uh, they got a tough schedule next year. You know, I think they got Michigan State, ASU, Houston. They got I'm, – I'm missing some. They play Utah again. They got some tough games. Minnesota. Now. Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota's in the top four, right? It goes Utah, um, is it ASU or Michigan State, ASU, Minnesota, right? Yeah. yeah. So once again, we're going to start the season off with our first four games being just brutal, and the conversation is going to be, well, can we win two out of the first four games again, just like it was this year, right? So I, I think I think it's going to be the same thing. I think we'll be happy with an eight-win season, but – Really, we want to get to where we're winning 10 games a year. I mean, that's the goal. If you're doing that, then you're at least competing and you're up there, you know, in the top 10 talk and having a chance to go to the playoffs. But we got tough schedules, man, and we got to do a really good job recruiting and having teams in place to compete game in, you know, week to week with these schedules because otherwise we're going to be sitting around winning six, seven games a year. BYU at Arizona State, let's just pencil it in. Can you be on the sideline, and uh, can we have you on countdown to kickoff? Can I just book you right oh, now? Yes, please book me in. I'm looking forward to that game. ASU is going to have a good team next year. I know they just fired their offensive coordinator, and they're making some changes there, but Herm Edwards is doing a good job. And you know, I'm a big ASU guy at heart, right? That's where I started. My uncle and grandpa playing there, so I'll be excited to be there and watch that game. But, yeah, pencil me in, man. I'll be on the sideline. Um, just give me a headset. Give me a headset. I'll be there with you. I'll call the game. Okay. <laughs> All right, Max. Great stuff. Great to catch up with you. And uh, we will for sure see you in uh, Arizona State Stadium next season. Just just text me what yeah. your bench press is. That'll stay between us. Okay? <laughs> I'll text it to you if you buy me a ticket to Maui. How about that? You, get, you get me on a plane to the bowl game, and then I'll tell you. You know where I work, right? right? <laughs> you can pull it off man pull the string (laughs) thanks max thanks man it's time for a bowl game edition of tracking cougar opponents yes BYU football has concluded the regular season one game to go in the SoFi Hawaii Bowl but how about the rest of the BYU opponents (laughs) you may have have been paying attention to the Utah Utes (laughs) 
who saw their college football playoff hopes collapse in a 37-15 loss at the hands of the Oregon Ducks. That was a big surprise, man. Seriously, I thought that would be a better game. Utah falls from a potential playoff team out of the New Year's Six and into the Alamo Bowl on New Year's Eve where they will face Texas. Fun matchup, but clearly not what most of us expected from the Utes after the regular season they put together. Yeah, pretty big uh, fall from grace in one week, right? Tennessee will face Indiana in the Gator Bowl January 2nd after the season 7-5. Hey! BYU's got a win over a team in the Eastern Time Zone with a winning record. Yay. Mm-hmm. That's a, that was a nice one, yeah. The 24th-ranked USC Trojans will take on 16th-ranked Iowa in the Holiday Bowl on December 27th. USC 8-4. 7-5 Washington will play 19th-ranked Boise State in the Chris Peterson Bowl, a.k.a. the Las Vegas Bowl. Toledo has the distinction, Jerem, of being the only bowl-eligible team in FBS play to not receive a bowl invite. Uh-huh. 40 bowl games, 81 bowl-eligible teams, Six and six Toledo stays home. Seven and five Utah State plays six and six Kent State on the opening day of the bowl season in the Frisco Bowl, December twentieth. The Liberty Flames going bowling for the first time in program history at seven and five. They'll take on Georgia Southern in the Cure Bowl on December twenty-first. And of course, Idaho State is an FCS team. UMass uh, doth stinketh, and San Diego State nine and three will face Central Michigan. What are they, Chippewa? Chippewas? Chippewas. On December 21st in the New Mexico Bowl. Been there, done that. 2010. And USF will play in the We Need a New Head Coach Bowl. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Charlie Strong. Today, December 13th, marks the beginning of the 12-day countdown until Christmas. So we bring you the BYU Sports Nation version of 12 Days of Christmas, presented by Bodyguards, Protection for a Life Worth Living. On the 12th... Oh, we're not saying no, we are right. not you're doing right. that. You're right. We're not. On the 12th day of Christmas, Jerem. Uh, we give to BYU a Big 12 invite. Yeah! Or Pac-12 invite. I would rather have a Pac-12 invite. I think culturally it's Pac-12 more than Big 12. Just some type of power conference with a 12 and, in it invite. You know what? Any of them, but it's really those two. Okay. How about this? 11 national championships total for BYU, thanks to the 11th one by BYU men's cross country. Yeah, that was awesome. I like that one. Okay, 10. One 10-win season. Can we get a 10-win season? <laughs> BYU had one in Independence. It was in the first year. Against BYU a really had... easy schedule. Yeah, BYU hasn't had one since. Hey, 10 wins, easy schedule. What a coincidence. <laughs> a repealed nine-game suspension. Yeah. It didn't happen. But if we could go back and change it, we would. Yes. Eight. An eighth football win. Beat Hawaii and get eight wins. Okay? Let's do it. Four seven. Seven straight sweet 16s for BYU women's volleyball. Came to an end this year, but it was a remarkable run. Yes, it was great. Six. Power five opponents on the 2020 schedule. Yes! Jeremy, you love this. I want ten like Nick Saban. You want ten wins or you want ten power fives? Power five. Okay. How about this? I can go four and six. I'm going to wait for the music. Oh, no, no. I, I don't have time to wait for the music, but I want to sing the five one with the music. Five quad one wins. That'd be nice. For BYU men's basketball. If that's the case, they're in the NCAA tournament. Four more years of Kalani Stuckett. Rene- renewed contract. Yeah, four more years. Three capable quarterbacks, which we have seen this year for that's BYU what happened. football. Yeah. Three different starters have all won games. Zach Wilson. Jaron Hall. Baylor Romney. Two 
seed in Vegas. <laughs> uh, can BYU get a two seed in Vegas in the West Coast Conference Tournament? <laughs> and at number one, Jerem, just one, one win versus Utah. We're talking about football, but we might as well be talking about women's basketball, men's basketball, and women's volleyball the last two weeks. One win versus Utah. One win versus Utah. Come on now. Let's go. Okay, to run it down quickly, 12, a Big 12 invite, 11 national championships, one 10-win season, a repealed nine-game suspension, an eighth football win, seven straight Sweet 16s, six Power 5 opponents, five Quad 1 wins, four more years of Kalani Satake, three capable quarterbacks, two seed in Vegas, and one win versus Utah. Love it. The 12 Days of Christmas BYU Sports Nation edition. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.